Happy Friday, theater lovers. This week's guest is Chris Molyneux. We chat about what music school auditions are like, the importance of diversifying as a musician, and Chris shares a super incredible story about how not being afraid to put yourself out there can really pay off. Chris's light burns bright in everything he does, and I know you will finish this episode feeling just as inspired as I did interviewing him. On with the show. So welcome, Chris Molyneux, to Hello. Sarnia Famous. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you so much for having me. I am super excited. We haven't, I don't even think we've had like a, a face-to-face conversation like at all in No, real life. I, think this, I think this is actually our first time meeting. So. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kind of a funny way to meet a person, right? In, in this circumstance. Yeah. Pretty much. But yeah, so so let's get this party started. So you actually reached out to me to do the interview, yes. which I was floored. I was so floored and flattered that you you asked to be on the show. Like I, I'm still flabbergasted when people tell me they even listen to the show. Never <laughs> mind expressing an interest to want to be on it. So what 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 prompted your your reaching out? I, I just loved like I because I just so happened to know like a lot of the a lot of the people who who we interviewed before like just it was just like how how funny that all is and you know like I've I've done the, the funny thing is like I've I've done so much work in the theater but I've, I feel like I've done every aspect I've been I've been on the theater I've, I've been on the stage I've been off the stage I've I've worked this part I've worked I've worked this part and there's there's so there's so many different ways that I've I've had so many different relationships with theater that is it's kind of it's kind of interesting to kind of to kind of go over all of them. So, yeah, and I I creeped a little bit on your Facebook page, and I know music is a huge part of your world, and you're a very talented musician. Is that another way that you are part of the theater crowd? Yes, because um, yeah, because I did a lot of youth, I did a lot of youth groups back then. I did Showtime with uh, with Jen Brown for for a few years, and then later it was like Nightingales with Carrie Balchamp. And then I actually wound up being in some theater productions, like uh, like Cinderella, for example, and the last one I did, which is, oh, geez, about ten years about ten years ago now, was crazy for you. But yeah, since then it's all been it's all been about the playing aspect, whether I'm playing in bands or like playing playing in the pit orchestra, playing in the pit orchestra for another for another show, because like that's like that's where like that's where like the real work is done. And that's where, and then that's where I can actually like where I can actually like uh, make a living off of. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So your your passions can actually put food on the table, kind of thing. Exactly, yeah. That's handy to have for sure. Yeah. Uh, not everybody gets that opportunity either. You know, uh, a lot of people have theater or music as a hobby, and it's 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 very impressive to me, especially that you have made a career out of it and it is something that you can make money from did you always yeah. know that that was where your your career was going to take you i kind of i i, I kind of knew pretty early on that that was something that that that, that was something that I, that I wanted to do and i wound up and i wound up studying music at humber college in toronto and i got my um bachelor's degree out of that and then that's where like i wound up getting a lot of um, a lot of opportunities to not just play, but also like more like production roles, record stuff, and have some other like and have some like other involvement on or off the stage. Because like once you once you say you have like your degree in music, 
people are like, okay, this is not a guy who just goes around and like plays in bars and you know, bars for dirt cheap. Like this is a guy who actually knows what he's talking about, and and mm-hmm. the, the, this is a guy who is like, you need to put some respect on his name. Absolutely, it's like a, an academia lens to your work. Credibility. I'm I'm very passionate about education, so. And whenever I take up even a new hobby, I'm like, I got to take a class on this or I'm not going to be legitimate at all. Yeah. So, um, so music degree, was that, was that challenging for you or was school something that was natural and easy for you? Oh, that's a really interesting question. Well, first of all, when I found out that you could actually uh, go to school for music, I felt like I hit the jackpot. <laughs> yeah. I was like, "That's that's a thing you could do." I was just like, <laughs> "Yay!" Sign me up now. Here we go. Uh, and and the thing is, is that like, yeah, there are other options, and, and there, there's other options in Canada. There's there you know, there's Mohawk and Hamilton. There's uh, there's McGill, but that's all the way in my, Montreal. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, that's I was I was like, that's in Alhambra College. Like while everyone else was like was like sending out applications to like to like a bunch of different schools at once. They get and then they get accepted by a few of them and then they have to like pick out which one they want to go to. I was putting all of my eggs in one academic basket, which probably not the smartest move in retrospect, because it's like if I got rejected, I would, I would just been like, well then. <laughs> yeah. But I think, but I think the fact that I was so determined to go to school for music meant that I put a lot of effort into. Heck, just the just the audition video, just the audition video, and then so I actually spent, I actually spent five years there. One was for, one was like the the qualifying, one was like the qualifying program that gets you into the degree program. Then I spent then I spent four years there. Yeah, like it's it's in some ways it's like it is typical to the school experience. Like you get, so you get a dorm room, you get a floor leader, and you and you have like and you have like your homecoming week, and you get to enjoy all this stuff there but then it's like you walk into the classroom and everyone's got all their different instruments out and i'm like this is not like any other class i've seen before mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah that's interesting to know that you had to do an audition video to get into school like that to me is something you do to get into a a show not into yeah. class auditions were auditions were part of the process every year because oh, it's wow. like if you have you had a collection of because you have a whole variety of like different ensembles you could get into based on like skill level and what type of music you want to play. Like it was jazz focused, but there was a whole, you know, but there was like a whole bunch of like different subgenres to go with that. Yeah, and then like you have to you have to you audition to see like where your skill level is, and then they ask you like which one like what ensembles do you want to be in. You write those out, and they don't guarantee you're going to get to every every ensemble that you want to go in because like. Some have like this long waiting list because everyone wants to play, um, to play in that one. But yeah, they're, they're they assess your skill level every year and they see wow. like where how much progress you're making and and you see like where your tastes are and and then they put you ensembles according to that. Wow, that sounds like a lot of pressure. <laughs> it's uh, it it was, but the I guess, but fortunately, a couple of years in, like I became I was I actually wound up. Being good friends with friends with the adjudicators because either they taught me in some course or like we walked or we wound up playing together somewhere else. So yeah, I remember. I just remember by the by third year it was like I was just walking through the room and being like, "Hey Mark, hey Alex, 
Oh, gosh. Okay, that helps a lot. Like, if you're going to yeah. make friends with people, making friends with the people who are adjudicating, that's probably pretty smart. Well, that's cool. I, I, I mean, that just sounds so scary. I, I took an English degree, and, you know, we had to write papers, but having to do a video, that just blows my mind. I admire mm -hmm. that. Yeah, it was it was a video to it was a video to first like get uh, first get in, and then mm -hmm. every, every every time after that it was, you know, like it was like live auditions with adjudicators and everything, and you just have, you you finish, you finish your performance and you just have to stand there as they write their notes. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I'm like, what are you writing? <laughs> Tell me what you're writing, please. Yeah. Oh yeah, that would be that would be very stressful. Would you ever get to know? Did you ever get to see those notes? Yes, they do give me the notes later. Okay, but you make they make you sweat it out. Yep, just sitting there like. So so okay so ten years since your last theater show and did you mean being on the stage because you were saying like like being on a stage like as a character or as part of the choir ensemble whatever. So do you miss that side of it or you're content playing the music? Really depends on what show we get. In the future, okay. There's always there's always been a couple where it's like, okay, if we get that one, tons of all audition for it for sure. Like in high school, um, we put on a production of the Drafty Chaperone, and I got to play Aldolfo, and it was the best. It was one that it was one of the most fun moments I've ever had on any on any sort of stage, and and that was the and that's the one like number one on my list. It's like, okay, if the Imperial Theater gets that show, I'm going for it, and I'm. And I'm being a doleful. I won't take any other role. Other yeah. than <laughs> Good for you to know exactly what you want. Are there other yeah. shows that you would feel as passionate about? Hmm. Yeah, there's there's a few of them. Again, it's like, what's the schedule going to be like? Hmm. Um, it's like if we do get them, and honestly, like a lot of my favorite favorite shows, I cannot, I can't see Sarnia getting the rights to them. Like oh it, yeah. Yeah, it's it's like it's like Wicked. It's like. Mm. Mm -hmm. I, I I'll be the first to admit it right now. I'm a sucker for jukebox musicals, like oh, like rock. Jukebox. Okay, tell me more about that. I like like I don't know. Like I remember uh, I see I saw Rock of Ages that same weekend that I uh, that I saw that I saw Wicked, and then then a couple of years later I saw I saw like the movie adaptation only because one of my friends at the time that was like his favorite movie of all time and he and he insisted that I go see it. And I don't know. I just, I guess, because I grew up, because I grew up on like a '70s and '80s rock and roll through my parents' record collection and through like songs like being played on the radio. That that I was like, wow, I really enjoyed how the how the songs were played out and how the songs were played out in that one. So was music a big thing when you were growing up? Did your parents both like music. Yeah, it's, yeah, they liked it, but like, um, I don't think, I don't think they got, I don't think they got into it like I did though. They do have a big collection of like records from like from like when they were from when they were young, but for years I couldn't play them because our because our record player was kaput. Oh no! And then and then finally um, then finally during the pandemic we were like screw it we're gonna order one online and bring it here and now I'm listening to like them, all of them like religiously so yeah yeah getting a good record player makes all the difference I have a standalone circa 1950 1960 record player. And nice. when I moved here from Alberta, it got damaged and it won't play anymore. Mm. And it's like so heartbreaking. So I have a, one of those little mini suitcase type ones, 
which is awesome. And they play really, really well, but the sound isn't quite the same. So yeah. I was just thinking about, uh, you know, when you're listening to music and listening to a record, it's different because you can't fast forward or go back or, you know, skip a song or, yeah. And I just wondered if you, if you guys are listening to a bunch of records, like if you had a similar experience with that. Well, I kind of like, I kind of grew up like around the time when like cassettes were just going out and then like CDs were and like CDs were coming in. So we were able to be like, okay, uh, which, which track do we want to listen to? Mm -hmm. This one. And, mm -hmm. and then you, and then you uh, skip ahead to that one. And at first, like when I started like buying CDs, like I would, I would buy them just like based on like, like, like oh, I want to, I want to buy that CD just so I can hear that song. And then you get to hear the rest of it, the rest of it, and it's like, oh, look at all these, look at all these uncut gems that and that came out of that. Yeah. So even yeah. So even though it's like not the same as, a, it's not the same experience as a record player, obviously, there is something about going to about going to the store and buying an album just because you want to hear that one song, and then you get to hear everything else that comes with it. That's true. And so, and sometimes it's not always like that. Like so, like you hear, like you want to hear like the hit single, and then you hear everything else, and you're just like, oh. No wonder why that song's a single. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what a bummer that I bought this whole CD for nothing. I thought the whole CD was going to be like that. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's a good point, though, just because, you know, you're listening to a CD or you're listening to a record, that doesn't mean you're going to hear the whole thing. I guess the, the difference to me is when you're listening to a record and you're forced to listen to it from start to finish, you're kind of listening to it in the way that they put it together. Right. So it's yeah. like a like a musical journey. But yeah. The, the day of going and buying a CD, though, that that's kind of past now. Hey, kids nowadays, they don't know that yeah. experience. Where's your, your damn kids <laughs> in your, your Spotify? <laughs> yeah, it's not the same. Do you remember what the first CD was that you bought? Oh, geez. Oh, I do have a couple of stories. I can't. I, I, I wish I could remember what the first one was. I do have a funny story though. When I went to visit uh, New Orleans, and I went to one, like one of the record stores there, and I was looking, and I was like going through like the jazz section of their of all the CDs they had, and I picked out this one by legendary guitarist Pat Metheny because Pat Metheny was a guy who was like one of the guest artists in residence one year when I was in school. So I go up to check it out, and the retailer really just kind of takes one look at me and then looks back at me and he's like. No wonder you kid. <laughs> the guy must have been like so used to, so used to like because it's like older folks like uh, like yeah. buying seats like that. But it's like it's like wow, this this twenty one year old kid just uh, just bought himself like a Pamukkale CD. It's like what are you doing here, kid? Yeah. <laughs> I love that story. I am glad that you surprised him with your music choice. Yeah, that's it's happened a couple times, but that that one moment is what stands out in particular for me. So you're you're more into the the classical kind of jams in general then? Well, when I was studying at Humber, like we had like a list of like standards that we that we were like required that we were, like required to learn and such because the part of the, audi the placement audition process is that they're going to call one out and you just have to know it. Oh, wh what? Like, okay, hold on. How much are they going to play of this, and how quick do you have to catch on to it? Yep, it was that kind of thing. And jam sessions ha like were like that all the time. It's like. It's like, do you know, uh, do you know cheek to cheek? Yes. Do you know it in this key? Yes. Okay. One, two, three. And oh, we're wow. Getting... Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. So mm -hmm. by doing that, by testing you guys, they're kind of preparing you for doing live music in the future and having to think on your feet. 
Yeah, pretty much. Because like, yeah, you get the concerts when you're on a big stage, and everyone's got everyone's got their set list, and everyone knows when to play what. But then you also get like the the impromptu sessions too, where where like people are going to call tunes on the fly, and and like you better know it in this particular key because this, because that's the key the singer. And then that's the key the singer's going to sing it in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's your preference? Do you like to have a set list or do you like having that improvisation? I've worked it up now so that you can, so that you can kind of get it both ways. Yeah, I've got like my list of songs and I've got all the sheet music written out for it. But we have all of the sections planned as to where we're going to improvise. Okay, it's planned imp- improvisation. Yeah, pretty much. So it's like okay, you, okay, you're, it's it's kind of it is kind of like in some ways like a like a theater score where it's like okay, it's like okay, you're playing, you're playing, you're playing. Here's your, you know how like here's your vamp where the characters are going to talk. Yep. The vamp you play that you play it over and over again. You and then and then you wait for the wait for the cue where the where this this person says a lie, and then you keep going on with the song. Okay. But with the type of music that I with the type of music that I write now, we'll have chords that will vamp over, and it's like, okay, we're going to solo over this, and then I'm going to cue you on guys to go back in, and then, and then that's where we, uh, fin- and that's where we come back to the song, finish it, wrap it up, and then on to the next one. Okay, that's pretty cool. So you do you do a lot of writing of your own music? Uh, yeah, I um I have like I have my own jazz trio with a couple of oh, cool. uh, with a couple guys that I've became friends with in Toronto and we're still playing together to this day. Uh, last month we, uh, actually closer to two months ago now, we opened up for Mono Whales and Walk Off the Earth at the Oh Blue Water cool! Bar. That's freaking yeah. awesome! Mm-hmm. That's super cool. What's the name of your trio? <laughs> you're gonna love this for, you're gonna love this for creativity. Chris Mono Jazz Trio! <laughs> okay, perfect. I love it. It's nice and yeah. nice and simple. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. You know exactly what you're going to get. Yeah, yeah. Keep yeah. it succinct. It's it's kind of fascinating though. It's like you you wouldn't expect uh, you wouldn't expect our name to pop up with uh, pop up with Walk Off the Earth, but I guess the direction that we've taken our song the direction that we've taken our songs lately, it's like we're not just like three guys in tuxes that are playing playing jazz games in the background while everyone else is eating. <laughs> I mean we've done I mean we've done those types of shows, but <laughs> but we're more than that. <laughs> but we're so much more than but we're so much more than that. We've like we've added like elements of, of of rock music, of funk music, of pop, and hell, like we were opening for Walk Off the Earth. We we're like, okay, we could do pop, we could do pop covers too. Play some Elton John. That's awesome. I love that. So you're always trying to kind of bring your music to the next level in experimenting and broadening your your trio. Yep. That's awesome. That's super Thank fun. Thank you. So how did you? So you guys met in Toronto. Was that part of school, or was that? Yeah, we all met. We, we all met when we were um, uh, studying at Humber. Our bass player Wesley, I actually knew back as far as our um, as far as our intro course. We, we were just going to class, and then afterwards we would go over to like this this little bar next door called the Placebo Space, and we would. And we, and we would just hash out songs there. And then the drummer Mark, I met on. I met in the in kind of like an emergency situation where I was playing my third year final recital, and all of a sudden my drummer's like, "Sorry, I've had some other commitments." So I'm panicking, searching for another, trying to look for another drummer. And then this friend comes up and says, "Hey, um, Mark can probably uh, do those drums on you. He's really good. He can learn like that." And I'm like, "Okay, I'll give I'll give him a shot." We did like 
two rehearsals and he fit like in like a glove like he had been uh, like he had been with us for years so that was meant to be hey was worth the stress of losing that one drummer to find the third part of your trio i was i don't know if, i don't know if i would say worth the stress okay. <laughs> fair enough to do what what's your guys's next concert or is that not decided just yet well, we're we're trying to we're trying to hunker down and uh, make make our next album at this point. Like I've I've had the songs written like years ago, but of course, COVID kept yeah. us from seeing each other from kept us from seeing each other for quite a while. And even when we came back, like the shows were far and few in between because we were really trying to make it our worth make it our worthwhile. It's like it's like okay, like how much is this going? How much is this going to pay? And like and how much mm-hmm. of it. And, and how much and how much of it could cover or the price of gas for either yes. them to come them to come here or me to come to them? Yeah, between the pandemic issues and prices of gas, you definitely yep. have to be picky. Otherwise, you're not making any money, and then it's no good for anybody. So then, do you guys do you go to a studio to to make your your albums? The last album we did, uh, closer to home. Uh, we recorded it from Mike McKay's, um home in Bright's Grove. Oh, cool! That's really neat. So that to know somebody that has a little studio, and I would think if it's a home studio, that that would make it have kind of a home feeling, right? More of a casual, comfortable feeling, or, or yeah, a vibe. It, it really, yeah. When you listen to it now, like it really gives you the feeling like like we are just like getting together and like play and and just. Um, of playing all these songs that that we just came up with, yeah, which is sometimes which is sometimes the vibe that like a lot of people have, like uh, a lot of all those like punk um, those punk rock bands from like from like the late seventies or whatever. Listening to them always gets a sense like like they're just they're just jamming songs in the in their garage or something. Yeah, yeah, it makes you feel like part of the from experience. The, from the way it's said in the mix, it feels like you're you know, it's like you're sitting there out in their drive. Yeah. And, or driveway listening to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's awesome. And then here, so here we kind of, um, we've done a bunch of shows at uh, the Lawrence house. And that was amazing because, because it's like, it's such a tiny, like intimate little room and they're all paying attention to like, every, and they're all paying attention to every single detail of your song. Like the notes, the, the stuff that isn't even notes at all. Hmm. Um, so we wanted to kind of replicate that feeling when we when we made our first album, but now we're doing more of these wider scale shows like like festivals and whatnot. Now, I think our next album should reflect that experience. Oh yeah, that's mm-hmm. a really neat idea. Yeah, uh, that goes back to what you were saying about your group always trying to evolve and change and. Yeah, I'm like um, people always expect like one certain type of sound from a band and then when they try to and then when they try to deviate like it's it always winds up with some kind of a mixed response but i think if you show to your audience early on that you that you're always willing to adapt you're always willing to evolve and and change and and change with the times and everything they're they're going to be all they're going to be on board with that that's a cool idea that you know if you set that precedent that as a band we're always going to be changing then yeah. they expect to see changes. But yeah, like, but, uh, and like, I often wondered if I made a mistake calling it the, calling it the Chris Mollage Astrio, but I thought, no, not really. 
because it's like there's so many things that you could do. Uh, there's so many things you can do with jazz. You can you can you can go fusion. You can you, you can go Latin. You could do like bebop. You could go like cool, smooth, whatever. But it, and it's like yeah, we're doing all these different things with like rock elements and funk and pop, as I mentioned earlier. But I think by calling it the Chris Molino Jazz Trio, you're saying like the heart of it. You know, the jazz is for the heart of everything we do. It mm-hmm. yeah. And it's a neutral name, so then it doesn't give any... Doesn't give any false impressions. Yeah, exactly. And it also, like, I don't... I have to be honest with you, I don't know an awful lot about jazz music, but the first thing that I thought of was the Glenn Miller Band, because that is... That's kind of jazzy, is it not? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 big band music. Yeah, so that's that's definitely... Like, a jazz And I always family. find it interesting. I always find it interesting how he's one of the first artists that people think of when it, when, when they hear that word jazz. It's it's rather interesting. <laughs> Especially because you corrected me to say that it's actually big band. But I guess what I, where I was going with that, and again, I, I admit my knowledge is very limited, was that it mm-hmm. felt kind of like a nod to more of the classical side of, of things, to have a simple, not simple, it just feels like a classic name choice. Yeah, it kind of like harkens back. It kind of harkens back to like like all the jazz records from like the forties, you know, forties and fifties, where it was just the Miles Davis Quintet. Thank you, and, Miles Davis. And, and, they, and they, Miles Davis Quintet, and the album cover is just simply him and listing out like all the members who played on that particular session. Yeah, thank you for giving a better example of what I was trying to say because I don't, I do know who Miles Davis is. It just yeah. didn't come to me in the moment, and that's definitely a much better example. So thanks for helping me out on that. Do you do you have siblings? One uh, one sibling, Heather. Is she also in music? I remember like we did a bunch of like um, youth theater stuff together, but no, she's actually a speech pathologist. A, a speech pathologist? Patholo- oh, speech and, a, a speech and language pathologist. Oh, cool. Okay, that's interesting. So is there someone else in your family outside of your immediate family that's in music? Or do you have someone in your life that inspired you to get... Well, my mom took up like a piano when she, when she was a teenager. And she oh, would okay. often play for me, play for me when, I was a, when, I was just a, when I was just a little kid. But I guess when I, I guess when I started playing the piano, it's like, okay, you're the musical one now. You, <laughs> we, we, relinquish, you, we relinquish our title. <laughs> well, that's yeah. cute. That's really nice that you yeah. you share that with her, though. Trying to like, but um, I think the moment where it clicked for me that that music was like a special thing, it was was like a gift that I had. Was we were um, we were driving down to um, a cycling for autism event when I was about nine years old, and on the way there. The radio is playing "Free Falling" by Tom Petty, hmm. and I, to the, I, I, I don't know what it was, but something about the the whole song is literally just literally just three chords. Da 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 da, da. It's, it's literally like it's literally those three guitar chords in the entire song. I think it's like it's like F major, B flat major, C major. And I don't know. I, again, I listened. To, I did listen to a lot of. I did listen to a lot of music growing up. The Disney musicals, classic. Those we those we sing videos from back of the day, also classic. But something about like 
hearing three chords over and over again just uh, struck me when I was a kid. So we go, we go out, we do the cycling event, and we come back home. First thing I do, I run into the living room and I start playing a song. We initiate music didn't didn't go on the internet like yes we had the internet but it's not what it was today. But it's not yeah. what it is. Today. No, just from here, just from hearing the song, I was I was able to play "Free Falling" by Tom Petty and and everyone was just kind of looking at me going, "Do you know that song, Chris?" And even I was just kind of like, I, 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 I have no idea where this came from. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome because you not only like it's one thing to hear it and then immediately play it. But you were saying you heard it, and then you did a cycling event, and then after that, you remembered it and started playing it. That's even more impressive. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, like the fact that, like, it was, I, like, I swear, like, when, I swear, like, we were going, like, we're, we're going around the park, and, and in my head, I'm still going, That's a nice, mellow song to kind of cycle to in your mind as well yeah yeah pretty much and then from then on it was it was like okay and we'd be listening to the radio and then it's like okay can you play this one uh, and then it's like can you play this one can you play this one and then like and this was and this was when i was in the middle of of uh, taking piano lessons too so like i was like i was learning i was learning to reach music and everything mm -hmm. but then after a while i kind of shelved i kind of shelved the sight reading, the sight reading stuff, and it was just, it was just kind of like, okay, if I can hear it, if I can hear it, I'm playing it. So, wow. But the thing was, once I started getting into high school and I started signing up for, and I started signing up for like band practice, and then that kind of forced me to get back into sight reading. Yeah, <laughs> that's such a cool talent though that you have to just hear it and then be able to play it. It's like yeah, my yeah, my ears might be good, but there's there's a difference between like playing with your eyes and playing with your ears. Yeah. Like, I I, I think a I think a lot of people who don't know music don't realize that. Yeah, turn on some light bulbs for me over here. Music is like magical to me. It's uh, witchcraft. Yeah. So we are already getting to the point where my laptop could burst into flames at any moment. Okay. So yeah. I usually try to leave the last. A few minutes of the episode to allow the guest to talk about anything that they want. It can be a, a charity or a side hustle or just something that you're super passionate about. Anything at all. So right now, my um, my current project, the the one that I'm, and the folks I'm mostly on is Classic Seeger, which is uh, all which is a Bob Seeger tribute band. You heard Liv talk about this before, I think, because she's one of the backup singers. But uh, that's, that project was put together by um, Darren and Ian McClay, and those guys are like brilliant, brilliant marketers. They're sending out like they're sending out like EBKs to venues, and and they've got like and they've got all these venues like booked ahead of time. We've already oh, done a bunch of shows across on uh, we've done a bunch of shows like across Ontario. Like the last last time we got together, we were doing a Canada Day show out in Coburg, and now we're uh, and now for the we're booking gigs out in the United States for the first time. Oh, cool. So, so it's like Detroit in October, Fort Wayne, Indiana in November, and then we're doing like a two-week tour of Florida in January. That's mm -hmm. awesome. A lot of what I do now is like, and then people will see me play, and then they'll go and see me play somewhere else, and they're just like, Wait a minute. That, that, that's the same guy! 
And like, and I get, I get a lot of people like coming up to me after, after like shows or whatever, and 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 they'll be like, you played over like the fine fool like like a couple years ago, and I'm like, and I'm like, yes, I did. Thanks for remembering. Yeah, or or they'll be like, oh, you played with that, you played with that blues band over at Ribfest, and 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 they start putting like all the dots together, and you realize like. Holy crap! This guy's everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good for you. Good for you. Never, yeah. never a dull moment if you're if you're getting yourself involved in all kinds of different opportunities. Yeah, and it's like the, the other thing with like putting yourself out there is like you never know like what opportunities are going to come up because since I do a lot of like videos on social media like Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook and whatever, and okay, and uh, one day this one video on TikTok came up where. The, where it was Josh Ramsey, who was the lead singer of Marianne's Trench, asking the question, what is the weirdest instrument that you know how to play? And in his video, it's like, oh, it's like I, I, I play the harmonica. And he's like, harmonica, that's not that weird. I've got a weird instrument for you right here. So so I have this uh, one particular instrument. Like I, I major in, like I play mostly saxophone and piano and then a little bit of like clarinet and flute. And a little, and you a say that so nonchalantly, and a little bit of this, like, <laughs> oh my god. Cool. Okay, but I have this, but I have this like bizarre, rare instrument. Uh, it's called an iwi. Iwi is short for electric wind instrument, and the best way I can describe it is that it's you play it like a saxophone, but it's got like synth sounds. Oh. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's the weirdest thing. I remember like. I had to like scour the internet for like years just to find one at a reasonable price, and then when I finally got my hands on one, I'm like, okay, I gotta show this off. I gotta <laughs> find every possible opportunity to show this off. So, so this TikTok video comes up where Josh Ramsey asks, "What's the weirdest instrument you know how to play?" And I'm like, okay, here's this is my moment. Okay, this is the Kiwi. Let's a little bit of what it sounds like. And I'm and at first I'm and I'm thinking like at first like okay, showing this off to my followers. However few they may be, this is whatever. Nothing else is going to come up. This one month later, he responds to it. Oh my god! And and he and the funny thing is, it's like, like he's showing. I'm showing off the instrument, and he's just sitting there going, "What?" <laughs> and then and then finally, I play it, and I can't say exactly what he said here, but he goes, "Like a '90s video game." That's effing rad <laughs> because it does like it, the, the thing looks like a class 2 phaser from Star Trek and it sounds and it sounds like a Super Nintendo <laughs> oh my gosh that's pretty good cool. do you happen to have it handy uh, I should uh, run 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 quick Can you, do you have it I'll run. okay If you're familiar with woodwind instruments like saxophone or clarinet, you're going to look at that and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I kind of recognize this. But, looks like but, a but they're not ship. buttons. They're t but they're not buttons. They're touch-sensitive pads. What? And you've got, like, all these other weird controls at the back, too. Like, it's like, like this thumb will actually roll, oct will actually roll octaves, like, up and down. 
and then you actually you plug it in like you would like you would plug in a guitar or electric keyboard. Oh my gosh! Can you play a little something? Maybe. I don't. I it's it's I don't have any. Um, I don't have a speaker. Okay, that's fine. So we'll make sure that we can uh, include that video, maybe that you made for. Yeah. Well, we can add so, that too. Yeah, I will. And I'll try to. I'll try to like wrap this up the quick. I'll try to like wrap this up the quickest way I can. Don't rush. It's all good. So Josh Ramsey responds to it, and that video. And that video blows up, of course, because he's, because he's the guy from Ariana Strange. Yes. And like I'm getting like all, and I'm getting like all these like texted calls saying like, "Holy crap! Like, holy crap! He responded to your video. Go look! Go look!" And I'm like, "I know." <laughs> and so this was like around the time like he he was uh, making like a he was making like a solo album. Mm-hmm. So a couple months later, he releases it. I'm listening to it. And I'm like. And I'm just like, okay, I'm gonna put out a video where I just jam to one of his um, jam to one of his songs and then, like just give him a congratulation and, and just like give him a congratulations. Mm-hmm. And we had planned to, we had planned to go see him anyway in Brantford, and he goes, dude, come sit in with us. That thing is insane. And I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> so we had the VIP tickets for Brantford, Brantford, which included like a Q and A session and a. And like a photo op, like before before the actual show. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm like, okay. So I'm like, okay. If if he recognizes me, it's on. So, so he's going about with the Q and A, and then at some point, I think my my dad puts up his hand, and he goes, "Hey, Josh, what's the weirdest instrument you know how to play?" And he he looks at me for a brief second. And he goes, "Chris." Ah! Yeah. <laughs> That's so exciting. And even some of the people, even some of the people who were part of the, like some of the fans who were part of like the VIP experience, they turn around and they go, "Oh my God, it's him!" Oh my, ah, you must have been over the moon. That would have been so exciting. I, I have never felt, I've never felt more empowered than in that moment. Good for you, that's so awesome. So we weren't able to do the show that uh, we weren't able to do the show that night because like they had already done like sound ch- sound check beforehand and they weren't able to like get me in in the last minute. But um, so I do the photo fo- um, so I do the photo op with him and it's just a very quick hey snap see you later. But I did have enough time to say to him, you know where to find me now. And I'm just like I'm just like one of those things that you say to to just out of hope. Yep. Like, it's out of hope, and you're just like, all right, if nothing comes of this, whatever, fine. So we go out. So Dad and I go out. We get a few drinks, and then we head back to the theater to uh, to actually to watch the show. And the tour manager walks up to me and he goes, "Where the hell have you been? Josh has been looking for you." Oh, no. And I'm like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> and, it's like, and it's like, "Oh man, I, if if I'd known I would if I'd known I would have stuck around." And he goes. It's like no worries. We're doing a show in Guelph next week, and I'm like, I'm there. Oh my God. Yeah, and then so next week we're at the River Run. So next week we're at the River Run Center in Guelph, and we're actually like backstage. I'm backstage. I'm calling. I'm calling the manager, saying like, Hey, I'm hey, I'm here, and like I'm actually doing. And I'm actually doing sound check with these guys, oh like I do with any other concert. <laughs> um. And yeah, it's it's a different it's a different level of professionalism yeah, too. Like yeah. ev- like everything's got, uh, like everything's mixed to like like I this this was a show I did with like in ear monitors because like some of the songs we actually played with click track, 
and um, this, and you, yeah. So so they give me like an ear monitor pack. I've got like my I've got like my earbuds and everything, and everything's already mixed perfectly. And then we we play. And he he comes up to me and he asks me what two songs you want to play. Look at the set list. I'm like, okay, this one. It's like, okay, these two, these two back and forth. They were, uh, the songs were called Blame It on the Beat and Painted Faces. And one I played on the saxophone because it was like a, because it was like a jazz style song. And then the second song, Painted Faces, was more of like a one style, like Nirvana Smells Like Teen Spirit stuff. Okay. But I thought, but I thought, how cool would it be to play this little guy yeah. for them and play this guy for that song? Um, so, so we play through them, and it's, so so we play through them, and it's like, man, we can't wait to have. It's, it's like, yep, yeah, can't wait to have you up here. But they have, um, but and they gave me they gave me my own green room, and the tour manager tells me, listen, they have the band has their own warm up routine that they go through every show. Just stay here. Don't try not to disturb them. So so I'm just like okay. I actually, I wind up. I actually wound up taking a nap there for a couple hours. <laughs> uh, you could nap with all that excitement. That's impressive. <laughs> I I was, I was like I was tired that morning just because of how excited I was. Yeah. So, yeah. So anyway, the show's going on as usual. I'm I'm just sitting there backstage the whole time, like. Oh. <laughs> and then, then finally he introduces me, and. This is, and we go through the two songs, and he's giving and he's giving me solo breaks where normally someone else is playing. Wow! And, and I'm just and, and and then during the, and then during like painted faces, like he's giving me the giving me where like the guitar solo where the guitar solo normally is, and says and we're and we're jumping all we're jumping at the same time like we choreographed all this even though we didn't, <laughs> and the crowd is. Losing their minds. I think that was the. I think I'm, It wasn't a sold out show, but it was. I think it might have been the most enthusiastic crowd I've ever played to in front of my in my entire life. It was. Yeah. It was. Um, it was amazing, and I. I still remember exactly. I still remember what he said when, like, when I left after the two songs. Where he's like, I didn't even know that like an electric saxophone existed, and I also didn't know that someone could shred the mm, out of it. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome! What an incredible the funny, experience. And, and then the funny thing was, is that Marianne's uh, Trench, the band he's known for, was playing a Border Fest two weeks later. And I'm getting like text messages all over the, uh, and I'm getting like text messages all over the place saying, "Oh my God, are you gonna play with him there? Are you gonna play with him there?" And I, ta- I, I threw the idea at him after, you know, after the show, like backstage. But the thing was, is that like. His solo to his solo stuff is very different than what he than what he does with Marianne's oh, Trench. Okay. He's got the same idea as me. All these different genres different always genre. trying to evolve that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and Marianne's Trench is like they're dead set. They're going to play these songs exactly as they were written, and like, there's not much room to improvise. So it was like, okay, okay, fair enough. But the way we talked afterwards, I don't think that's going to be the end of it. I don't think so either. I think that's yeah. What an incredible story. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that with me. What an yeah. excellent example to you about, like you said, putting yourself out there because you never know what opportunities. Like you've inspired me to put myself out there a little bit more because you never know. Well, the thing, the, the thing with being a musician is that like a lot of people think that it's going to be 
you're waiting for the phone to call. You're waiting for someone to, to, to drop you a to, to, to drop you a line to, to send you an email, whatever. It's not like that. You have to put your you have to put yourself out there and to um, and tell others, hey, this is what I'm capable of doing. Let me know if you're interested. And and this is just one of those things where it's like I I like send like like videos and like audio clips and like other like social media posts or whatever to a whole bunch like like I tag people in like social media posts seeing if someone can hear that mm -hmm. but all it takes is one yeah all it takes is one to change uh, to change everything oh my gosh I cannot think of a better spot to end your episode my friend that was perfect. Perfect, perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for for reaching out. I you saved me uh, trying to find the courage to ask you. It's always very oh. difficult for me to ask people to be on the show. So thank you for putting yourself out there. It means the world to me. I'm so glad that we could spend this time together. Well, I'm glad I could. Um, I'm glad to be a part of this. Okay. Well, enjoy the rest of your evening. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Yep. See you later. Okay, kids. That's all for this week. Thanks for listening. Next week's guest is adorable Mia Abate. See you then.